Tonight, God's Word comes to us from 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter 1. We're going to be reading the first nine verses of this chapter, but our focus tonight is just on verses 3 through 5. 1 Peter 1, beginning at verse 1. What we hear now is God's Word. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, last week we began our study of this book of the New Testament, a new sermon series on 1 Peter. We talked about Peter the author, Peter who identifies himself uh, not, not as a disciple, as a learner, but Peter the Apostle, the one sent by Jesus Christ with his full authority to speak to the church. We talked about the audience of this letter, the elect exiles. Peter reminds them of who they are. They are those who are elect by God, and yet Yet they're experiencing, when the letter is written, a time of exile. They're living as sojourners, as foreigners, as, as those living in a land where they really don't belong, reminding them that their, their vision is to be beyond the things that they see and to look for the glorious land to come. He's going to talk about, more about that tonight. And the message, a message of encouragement for God's people. He reminds them they were chosen according to the foreknowledge of the Father in the sanctification of the, of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ, those known by the triune God 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he brings them this message of hope. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. The message of 1 Peter, like we talked about last time, is a very practical one. It, 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 it's a message that, that hits us right where we live. How do we deal with life when things seem to be going badly around us? How do we handle the difficulties that are sent our way? We notice that in every chapter, there's a reference to difficulties. This one, it shows up in verse 6. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while you have been grieved by various trials. And Peter, in this letter, this very everyday, real, practical letter, wants them to expand their vision. When things begin to go badly, our focus tends to become very, very narrow, and we focus just on the trouble we are going through right now. But Peter wants to get them to see more broadly what God is doing. It, it's not simply a letter where, where he commiserates with them in their sorrow. Oh, you're going through hard times. You know what? I've gone through hard times too. Yeah, life is rough. That is not his message. His message is to turn their focus off of themselves, even off of what they're going through at the time, and to focus on God. And to focus on that God who is still watching over, protecting, caring for them, that God who is in control of all things. So tonight we look at, at Peter's encouragement to the church to rejoice. He says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In this word of comfort, in this word of hope, he begins by giving praise to God. Again, immediately directing their focus not on what's going on around them, the fact that they are exiles, but taking their focus upward. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ looking at their situation, looking at themselves, will not bring them to the message of hope, but turning their focus upward, looking to God, the one who is in control, the one who has called them, elected them as his own. They look to God for that hope. Hope is always something that is, is positive. Uh, we don't hope for things that are negative. We don't, we don't hope that we get in a car accident on the way home. No, we hope for things that are positive, things that are going to be pleasing, things that are going to lift us up. And so he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. When Peter uses this concept of hope and of a living hope, it carries the weight of something concrete, something that can truly be held onto and hoped for. You know, sometimes I, I think we hope for things, but we know they're probably not going to happen. Uh, I saw uh, on the news last night the latest uh, lottery numbers and how the, the state lottery 
is up to something like $900 million. Well, you know what? I hope I win that. Now, I guess I don't buy tickets, so there's no chance I'm going to win that. But even if I did, I really wouldn't expect to. I saw someone on the news last night. Oh, she said, oh, yeah, this is my hope. I hope I win. It's like, really? Out of all, if you look at the statistics, you're better off getting struck by lightning, better chance of getting struck by lightning than winning the lottery. We don't, we don't really expect it to happen. That's not the hope Peter is talking about. He's talking about a sure hope, a certain hope, a confident hope. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And he connects this idea of a living hope with Jesus' resurrection. For us to hope in God, we have to believe He is in control and He, has, he is working His purposes out. And, and, and Peter directs their attention to the resurrection, to Jesus Christ who was dead and God raised Him to life. A certain hope, a sure hope, a living hope, just as sure as Jesus Christ rose from the dead, Peter says, you can trust in God, and you can trust that He is in control. If He could do that for Jesus Christ, if He could take Him from death to life, He is certainly able. He is certainly capable of dealing with the situations we find ourselves in. Peter himself knew the reality of that living hope. Peter had seen the risen Lord. Oh, he had been there at the crucifixion. He knew Jesus was crucified, but he had seen the risen Lord. If God could do that, he can certainly care for the concerns of life. Jesus, uh, uh, Peter, had been restored by the risen Lord. Although we talked about last week, he had denied the Lord three times. He was restored by Christ. Restored to fellowship with him and restored to service for him. Peter himself was a witness to the power of God because he knew the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We know that same truth. We know that same reality. We have the faithful word of God, which testifies that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. When we begin to wonder, is God really able to deal with my situation. Oh, I, I know he can take care of everybody else out there, but, but my problems, my troubles, my worries, is he really able to deal with those as well? Remember, we have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God the Father raised him to new life, and he is certainly able to know what we are going through and to walk with us in what we are going through.
we have a living hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter goes on. He says this, we're born again to this living hope and to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven. We have an inheritance. And the whole idea of inheritance uh, is so rich in the scriptures, so rich already in the Old Testament. The idea of an inheritance being promised something in the future. Abraham. Abraham was promised a land. A land that would be an inheritance from God for him. Abraham so believed that, that he would leave Ur of the Chaldees, he would travel all the way to that land God would show him. That would be his inheritance. After the people were taken away into exile, God raises up Moses, God raises up Joshua to lead them back to their inheritance, back to the land. David in the kingship expands the beauty and the glory of the land of God. That's why for Israel, the captivity into Babylon, the captivity was so devastating. They lost the land. They lost their inheritance. They lost that which was promised to them. And then later, in God's goodness and His grace, they are restored, given it once again. The hope of Israel was the hope of a place, the hope of a land, the hope of this inheritance, this promise of God. When we read about an inheritance, perhaps that resonates with us as well. Uh, we think about a human inheritance. Uh, perhaps that's something we anticipate. When, when my folks passed away, they left us kids a small inheritance. I, I told my kids, uh, my goal for the inheritance is just not to leave you with debt. That's my goal for the inheritance to pass on to them. We, we anticipate an inheritance, something, something coming to us. Sometimes an inheritance can cause problems. But an inheritance is something we receive. It's not something we have earned. It's a gift we are received because of our connection to someone. Peter takes that idea of an inheritance, an inheritance for Israel, an inheritance that they would understand receiving something because of a relationship, and he brings it to the next level. He doesn't talk about an inheritance as if it is something physical. He is talking about a spiritual inheritance. We have received an inheritance that is imperishable, that is unfading, that is, is not going to be taken away or, or fall away. He, 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 again, takes their minds off the things of this life and bring them, brings them up to the things of heaven. Not to put their hope, their trust, their confidence in the things around them, in the things that they might inherit, the land or the property or the things, whatever it might be. He says, your hope, your hope is not here. It's not in the things around you. Your hope is in God himself. 
God who gives you an inheritance, an inheritance imperishable, undefiled, unfading, the hope of heaven itself. Not this land, not what you see around you, but the new heavens, the new earth, where we will live with God forever. Again, he elevates their thoughts, he elevates their minds to this greater reality. And of course, even even Abraham, we are told, knew that, that there was more for him. In the the Heroes of Faith passage, in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, we read this. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Yes, Abraham would receive a land, But he recognized that was not the final inheritance. At the end of the Heroes of Faith passage, we read this. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what is promised since God has provided something better. Something better. Our inheritance, our spiritual inheritance, is not the things of this life. It's not a piece of property, it's not a sum of money, it's not a thing. The inheritance we have is the hope of heaven itself through the gospel. The hope of heaven through faith. It is an inheritance imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. And so Peter's saying, that's what you're going to get the spiritual reality, if in this life you're going through trials, you're going through hardships, you're going through difficulties, he doesn't minimize it. But he reminds them, this is not all that there is. For the believer, there is so much more, so much more to anticipate, and so we can rejoice Even in times of trial, even in times of tragedy, we have real encouragement because our vision is not limited to what we see in this life. Our vision is raised to heaven itself where we have an inheritance, undefiled, unfading, imperishable from God himself. And then his word of encouragement, verse 5, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We are being guarded by God's power through faith. Guarded by God himself. What a word of encouragement. God himself is standing guard over you. God himself is watching over you. Think what a a guard does, kids. A guard protects from attack. 
If you're guarding something, you're, you're ready and you're prepared to, to keep that person safe from attack. That's what a guard does. The world around us can seem so powerful. And, and, and at times, the church can seem so insignificant. And we say, we just throw up our hands and give up. How, how, can, we, how can we meet the challenge, the forces of the world? Because we ourselves are being guarded by the power of God. He is the one who is still in control. And, and we need to be reminded of that. Uh, I spent time this last week uh, reviewing uh, the various decisions made by our own country's Supreme Court in its last term. And if you look at those, you see amazingly so many of them favorable towards freedom of religion. It's easy to think that the world is just crowding in and we are being overwhelmed, but, but by God's grace, our highest court is holding up our privilege, our right to meet together, to worship together, not to have our freedoms of religion impinged upon. That's God reminding us of his power. He is guarding us. He is using this, this temporal agency, but he is the one in control. Guarding his people through faith in him. When we are going through trials, perhaps we need that reminder as well. God himself is guarding us. And, and, and anything that comes our way is not outside of his control. We may not like it. We may not see why we're being challenged in this way. But it is not outside of God's control. We have a God who guards us, who keeps us, who protects us, who will allow nothing to happen to us outside of His perfect will. That's the word of encouragement Peter gives to the church. God, God's power itself is guarding you through faith in Him. A guard protects from attack, but a guard also protects from escape. Think of a guard in a prison. What does a guard in a prison do, kids? A guard in a prison keeps people from escaping. He keeps them in. We have a God who guards over us, who, who keeps us from escape, a God who holds on to us, a God who will not let even my own weakness, my own sin, my own frailty, my desire to wander, a God who will not allow those things to happen, but holds me tight in his hand, guarding me, securing me, not letting me wander away. This is the word of encouragement to the church. We are held in the hand of our God.
A God who is powerful, powerful to save, powerful to do everything according to his perfect will. And that God holds on to you. He holds you in the palm of his hand. This this wonderful encouragement to rejoice is given to the church. It is given to the church Peter is writing to. It is given to us today. To those who by faith have embraced Jesus Christ, who know him as Lord and Savior. If If you desire this comfort, this assurance, this hope, this certain hope, then tonight God calls to you to place your faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Know that that His perfect blood was shed for you, that He was raised for you. Embrace all that He has done and receive not only hope in this life, but hope for the life to come. When we, when we embrace him, we can say with Peter, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope, a hope that lives through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because Christ was raised and we are now found in him, we too have been raised to an inheritance that is imperishable, not the things we see around us, imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation. That is your encouragement tonight. Rejoice in knowing that glorious God who has called you, who guards you, and who will continue to protect you. When the world seems so strong and the things of earth seem to fall in upon us, bring your vision up. Look beyond the narrow focus and see the blessed God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we do confess to you that so often our vision is so narrow. We see just the few things around us, particularly in times of trial, in times of trouble. And so you tonight through your word, give us a word of encouragement and a call to rejoice in you. Thank you, O God, for calling us to be your own, for giving us that living hope, for giving us that wonderful inheritance. Help us to rejoice that you, by your power, guard us, protect us, and hold on to us. Lord God, if we are going tonight through difficulties, through trials, through hardships, bring our vision up. Bring our vision up to you and to heaven itself. Encourage us and strengthen us by the power of your word and the work of your Holy Spirit. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Let's turn together to number 403 in the Trinity Psalter hymnal. Number 403, glorious things of thee are spoken, Zion, city of our God. He whose word cannot be broken formed thee for his own abode. 
on the rock of ages founded. What can shake thy sure repose with salvation's walls surrounded? Thou may smile at all thy foes. We're going to sing all four verses, 403. Let's stand together as we sing. Receive the parting blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.